0: Hello and welcome to Awaken, Heal and Transform. I am your host, Francesca Raffa, and I am so pleased that you are here. Take this as your sign from the universe that you are on your journey to awakening, healing and transforming, to live a soul-led life of purpose, passion and alignment, reconnecting you with your innate power within. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Awaken, Heal, and Transform with your host, me, Francesca Rafa. Today, I am welcoming a very special guest. Again, I say this every single week because everybody is so, so undeniably special, unique, and beautiful. And I am so blessed that I get to invite speakers such as the lovely Laura Beckenham today. To come onto the podcast. So Laura and I connected through our virtual tea ceremonies that we have been doing for over a year through lockdown through a very special lady that um, conducts these tea ceremonies. Her name is Lyra. And we had been sort of sharing tea in silence through connection virtually for over a year and I then had the pleasure of meeting this incredible woman a couple of weeks ago and we shared tea in person and I just knew that I really wanted to invite her onto the podcast because of her journey, her story, what she does and who she is. So Laura is a mystic, a writer, an author, and she is the founder of Space Within, where she works with corporate clients, helping to live a conscious life, Finding the space within that time to slow down in order to speed up, finding the balance between spirituality, practicality, and physicality. So, through her coaching programs, she offers various different types for corporate clients and one one one-to-one um clients as well so we're going to find out a lot more about that and what she does but i'm also very intrigued to find out a lot more about the book that she will soon be launching called as the bird's land and this, I believe, I have had the pleasure again of reading just a snippet of um, what is in some of the book, and it is incredible. So I just can't wait to dive deep into her inspiration behind her work and find out a lot more about her journey that, again, is one unique, one that is deeply personal to her soul um like all of us have this purpose here and uh i am just yeah extremely grateful to welcome laura hi laura thank you so much for joining the podcast today the awaken heal and transform podcast like I said I'm absolutely buzzing to have you here and it's just I love this blue light that is coming down through through um the screen. Not a
1: filter.
0: Yeah we don't even know what this is but it kind of reminds me of the wabby sabby, like this you know the imperfection within the perfection it's just I love it and this is very much all that you're about so (laughs) thank you so much for um agreeing to do this I'm just excited to get diving into your story so just a recap um, on how we connected, which is through a very deep passion of ours and one that you use very much in a lot of your work. So tea. Mm -hmm. um we have been doing virtual tea ceremonies with the beautiful lira from with with tea lovers um for over the a year really through the lockdown and it's been incredible space for everyone to just come together and it's funny because we formed this connection necessarily not even talking it was Mm -hmm. just in that moment and in that space and i would always be captivated to look at you and i loved always looking at all the ladies but um Yeah, I just I feel like to connect over something that is so passionate to both of us is Mm -hmm. quite deep and um, obviously you use that a lot in your work. So having connected you to you through that, um, we then actually got to meet in person just a few weeks ago, which was an absolute honor. And we shared some tea together um, and I got to know a little bit about you and your journey and what it is that you do. So you are the founder of Space Within and um, really it is an advocate for conscious living. So I would like to kind of take a step back before you started Space Within and just share with us openly your journey as to who you are today, you know, coming back to the true essence of who you are, because technically that is, that is what <sighs> you are living in. So please.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Francesca. Always beautiful to share bowls with you. I have <laughs> one this morning, probably too hot, but um, really lovely. Um, gosh, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking it. As you were speaking, what came up in me was, um, there's so much that could be said and so much that doesn't need to be said. So I'll, I'll say that first and where I was taken as you were speaking was to childhood and the fact that I was always like a super 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 curious child like my mum says that she had no problem sending me to bed because I used to ask to go to bed so that I could dream (laughs) because it was like that was a big part of my existence it was as real to me as living you know as like literal day-to-day awake um, as we describe it so when i look back on my life now i look at these things that were always in my identity and i kind of feel you know part of my soul journey as well as maybe my ancestral one um so the short story is that that was always there and this you know curiosity about um the plants and the voices that I could hear all the people that came and spoke to me in the night and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then via, you know, school, university, I ended up in uh, in the corporate world, um, which, of course, in many ways is very, very different, but actually is a wonderful playground for this kind of work because, boy, does it need waking up? Um and so I suppose in that respect, I was always somebody who was, again, curious, uh, interested in kind of rattling the cage, very keen to look at what we weren't saying as well as what we were, um, what was possible rather than what was broken, that kind of stuff. And then at the age of about 30, uh, in, a, in a corporate job, in a, in a senior leadership position in a very big business, I kind of had this moment of what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And I know what triggered it was that I had started my professional coach training and I am not an advocate for badges and accreditations and all that kind of stuff. I believe in rigor very much so but I also believe that these professions for example that we've now named have always existed Um, and yet I was doing this professional coach training and in the context of work I remember coming back in on a Monday morning and I ran a big team all over all over the country and in different parts of the world, and just kind of go why aren 't I doing this every day? Why is the core of what I do, not this? Why is this something I do a bit of in my work, mm-hmm. but actually i 'm not doing enough of, and why am I in one context when I know I am much more alive and therefore much more useful to others when I have uh, varied contexts so i 'm not somebody who gets overwhelmed by variety i 'm somebody who gets enlivened by it. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I kind of was like, oh, I think I need to leave. (laughs) So when I look back, and I did, and when I look back as well, the other thing that was always present, I suppose, in my life um, was tea. And not tea as a practice in this, you know, more ceremonial way or, or meditative way or particularly tea as a medicine. But actually looking back, I'd always sat with people and drank cups of tea. I'd always gone for cups of tea with people it was the core of the work that i did mm-hmm. even in corporate business mm-hmm. and so somehow that all has over the years and i've been running this organization for about eight years now um it's taken a while for it to take its shape and you know find its um form um but yeah that's the kind of story that led me here i suppose
0: it's incredible that you have, through your corporate journey, understood what it is that you enjoy doing, and then were able to build that sort of strength that you used from your corporate journey into your into what you do today, and so that transition then moving into um, creating space within. How was that for you? How was that? I know you just said you've been doing it for eight years, and it's it's it took a while to settle. How was that for you? And what is it that you do within space within? Because I know you work with corporate companies as well, don't you? Now, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes on the other side, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know it, a few things. I will name. I, I love. I love the transition. I I I know there are a lot of stories around. It's really tough, and it, and it is. But I loved it. I, I felt so alive, I love to feel like on the edge of i don't know what this is, and I don't know where it's going, and i don't know what is happening, but I'm alive you know it's really it was a very visceral experience in honesty, it took a couple of years for it to um i didn't even name it space within initially because i didn't know what it was. I just knew that I needed the freedom to find what it was, and in the beginning i i in simple terms, kind of did sold what I knew I could do. So yeah. I had a background in in like people change and sort of big organisational change. So I did more consultancy, let's say, and in that kind of space because it was what I was known for, and it brought me connections with people. Um, an opportunity and and cash and energy and identity and all of the stuff that sort of moves through, I think that, you know, life force stuff that needs to come into a, a business as an entity in order for it to breathe and, and begin to take its shape. Um, and what started to become increasingly clear was this, the work that I loved was the slower, stiller. So I talk now I talk about calming down to wake up so the, what I do in this work is a mixture of things and lots of things underpin it family constellations and um, inherited family trauma that kind of angle of the work and the idea that what's happened before us we bring it with us I'm interested in things like epigenetics and what we hold in our body mm-hmm. um, I'm very interested in sustainable business and, and you know conscious capitalism let's say um, which I appreciate is a bit of an oxymoron in many ways but you know the truth is that big businesses. So I predominantly work with, with um, either very large or fast growing businesses, names that we'd all recognize, but, but I won't share those today Mm. Um, with people who happen to occupy very senior positions in those businesses. And I don't say that from the place of like, Oh, you know, I work with really senior people, but the truth is that these frameworks exist, these structures exist. And the work I do with these people, either one-to-one or in teams is really centered around um two things i suppose one is the calming them down aspect which i can say a little bit more about and the second is is what it's for which is so that they wake up to the world like i'm very open with clients i'd love you to go home from today feeling calmer more peaceful yeah more sanguine and i'm equally okay if you go home feeling agitated and a bit rattled because I know their system can hold it and I'm safe enough for them to do that work with. Mm. But that means that they might do something different with the position and the privilege that they, and the power with a small P that they have in these systems that are an implicit part of our, the fabric of our lives at the moment. They're not going to not exist in the next, you know, maybe who knows, but in the next 10, 20 years, Mm. organizations like that are going to exist. So if I can support people in them to work, and live in a more conscious way, better connection with their self, their body, themselves, each other, the world around them, then for me that's you know, that's good work. So that might sound a bit nebulous, but but that's it. Yeah. And in practical terms, it's it's basically we 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 drink cups of tea, we talk, we share silence, we what we might call healing, ancestral stuff uh, a lot a lot of ancestral stuff, mm. um, current kind of, uh, embodied experiences. We're asking big questions. We're talking about connection to nature. You know, we do it in nature. We drink a lot of tea, sit on a lot of benches and then they go to their work in the world and they have a better conversation around the board table and around the dining table.
0: It's truly, truly beautiful. I love the, um, calm down wake up uh because one of my favorite quotes is you know we need to slow down to speed up and that is basically what you are doing and through your what you mentioned before about tea and how you've always you know it's funny because i never actually thought about it like that i always knew that if i ever wanted to have a chat with a friend i'd always get a cup of tea but oh let's go for a cup of tea and i and it's also always a big part of, of my life as well but it, that's why I see it as the true connector but I never actually thought oh yeah that's always what I used to do and so I love how you bring that element in because as we know with tea it is such a simple um, it is such a simple practice but there yeah. is so much beauty in that stillness and it is always the Quietness, where the wisdom sort of comes up, but it's so subtle that you don't even notice that it's happened until maybe way later. Yes, and so like you were saying, you know, you still you with with your clients, you're slowing down, you're in nature, and then they go into the boardroom. They might not even notice that there was a shift happening during that um, moment of stillness, but it's there and it shows up when it's needed the most. Absolutely. And that's yeah, just really really incredible. I love, I really love the work that you
1: do and you know tea francesca it's so as we know it's so accessible it's yeah. exactly what you've said it's mm-hmm. um it's a bit stealth like i think in that way and I, again i would never thought of it like that and there's certainly no like um hidden agenda in it i'm very you know open and above the line we'll sit on benches and we'll drink tea it'll settle you down and probably wake you up you know that's the kind of vibe. um but I, I joke with one of my teachers, one of my family Constellations teachers um, in America. I say, he says, you turn coffee people into tea people. <laughs> people come in like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah. I can be, I don't drink coffee because I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, that that's the kind of movement. And there's also something, uh, uh, not all of them at all, but a lot of my clients are men mm-hmm. um, or would identify as male and even the people that don't identify as male that I work with would openly uh, name and um, be in touch with their masculine energy. There's a lot of masculine energy in those kinds of environments. We know that. Mm -hmm. And there's something um, so simple about tea and the embodied nature of it and the tactile nature of it that really suits that. And yet it brings a softening. And in my experience, we don't necessarily sit for six bowls in ceremony because that's not always going to work or is possible or needed but just having a couple of bowls on a bench there's a movement and it is like you say subtle and yet you know massive in its um, possibility.
0: Mm, Lovely thank you so much and what is your journey with tea then so obviously you you know it was part of always what you've done but how did you transfer Sort of get into the more ceremonial aspect of it
1: yeah yeah so i always begin by nodding to my heritage which is that clearly i'm from the northeast of england we drink a lot of tea and um i have irish ancestry also behind me so there's just tea <laughs> you know tea is a thing um and so it has always been there about four years ago i was in hong kong with a, a very dear friend and colleague of mine uh, Natalie interestingly we run a program in corporates called slow down step back see more <laughs> and she said um, she she had recently kind of come across uh, the practice of of ceremonial tea and she said do you fancy drinking tea with one of my friends and teachers and I was like yes <laughs> and so my first bowl of ceremonial tea I mean talk about blissful it was up Victoria Peak um, in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. Uh, under a pagoda, served by uh, a wonderful woman called Raisham, who lives in Hong Kong and and practices tea over there. So it was via Natalie. uh, Mm -hmm. Raisham served me my first bowl in this way, many bowls, um, up the peak. And I just was like, oh, okay, where has this been? Where is this? Where can I access this? And then I came back to London and found Mm Lyra. And I had never... um, that hadn't crossed my path which also doesn't make sense because I was tapped into a lot of those circles let's say sound healing and breath work and um and went to ceremony with Lira like a week after getting back from Hong Kong and was like okay I'm in <laughs> and then uh, as a, you know from that I developed my own practice just kept drinking 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 tea and you know you know this because you are absolutely Mrs. T you're Miss yeah. T um in the way of you know it's a personal practice before it can become a shared practice and um sometimes I think gosh if I only been drinking tea in this way for four years maybe it's too soon to be serving tea to others or sharing tea um so it has to be bolstered by other things doesn't it it's not just a, a thing that you do it's a way of being it's a um I think an expression of something
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah I just drank lots of tea in short mm-hmm. and and did lots of uh, teaching mm-hmm. um and, tra- and training with people who have walked the path before me Is mm-hmm. how I would describe it
0: Absolutely. I feel like tea is a gateway. I mean, for me, in many ways, it was my gateway into unlocking my truth, actually, in so many ways, Mm. something that had been resistant and hidden, or I was trying to keep hidden for so long. And I think that's what is so special about tea is that it does, it's almost like it literally that sound, Um, But subtly, like we were mentioning. And so when you say calm down, wake up, it really does. (laughs) Yeah. Does it? Like you wake up to a remembrance of so much more. And the way you view the world is just, it just changes massively because it is no longer about your place in the world, but it's more about your place in the collective reality of. Um, of a higher evolvement of what we are and we are one part of that and when we understand that um, piece that we play in the puzzle of the grand scheme of the ever-evolving universe um, we suddenly see things differently those little things that we may have got annoyed about are no longer any you know are no longer a big deal And, you know, to have that in place like you do in the corporate world is so, so important because I know when I used to work in corporate, I would get so caught up in, you know, the smallest thing. And it would be like, you know, you'd think the world's come crashing down or it didn't happen. And... um, all of those thoughts that go through your mind are just so irrational <laughs> and so, um, you know, they're just so irrational and, and it's just not, uh, it's not helpful to anyone. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help anybody else.
1: Um, and definitely
0: the business. So to bring that, you know, conscious living into, into corporate is so important and that's exactly where it needs it more. Um, so like I said, again, I will say again, but I, I honor the work that you do and you also, um, teach yoga, correct? So you also bring in an aspect of Movement. Yeah. So how does that sort yeah. of how do you combine the two—the movement and the stillness—which
1: I love. So I only teach parts of yoga. I don't teach public classes, but have mm-hmm. trained in, in various aspects, uh, particularly the softer practices like yin mm-hmm. and yoga nidra. Um, it's just kind of we—it's woven in, I suppose. I mean, sometimes I explicitly do it. Sometimes I'll say, "Shall we? You know, shall we close with a meditation? Shall we begin with a with a meditation? Mm-hmm. Um. Definitely less movement orientated at the moment, interestingly, in my work. Um, partly because I feel that, although it's very embodied. So I'm tr- what I'm curious about is people understanding that stillness is an embodiment practice. It's not a passive practice. That you know, This active sense of being in stillness. Yin yoga is a movement. You know, this, so yin is, as you know, but for our, our listeners, the, it's, it's a soft practice that's about holding postures over time. And we we talk about three things, coming to the edge in the posture, not going over it, not pushing past it, but coming toward it, touching in on it, Mm. and then coming to stillness in the face of that, Mm. and then staying there and seeing what happens. And the movement is one of a melting so i'm um, at the moment really dabbling with that and weaving that in a bit to the work i run a public program i don't run many public things um, for capacity really but i run a public program called the sanctum and it's rooted in in tea and meditative work and we sat in circle on tuesday and closed with a guided yoga nidra um, body scan just a small portion of a of full yoga nidra practice and what people say is it's a, it's a, it's just a softening. It's an opening in the body. And what that enables things, uh, enables to happen is energy moves. As we know, stuckness shifts its quality or moves place or something new can come in. So I suppose I work in service of flow. That's one of the mm-hmm. um, ways I would describe it. Sometimes that's movement based more often. It's, um, subtle embodiment
0: practice
1: mm, Lovely, yeah. but I, I do i do often say to people we are more than heads on sticks you know yeah. this is one of the phrases that i say a lot and because of zoom you know no offense but it's like, <laughs> in, like i've got a body yeah. you know feel this part feel your bottom on the floor or your feet you oh, know, go like this move <laughs> side to side it doesn't have to be like that because you know that that's the body but the expression of that in work and the world is that we just look here <laughs> we just look here and we forget about all of this and that's really dangerous right so there's a lot of that kind of stuff goes on in classes and in programs and stuff
0: it was just come up for me when you said that was you know that game guess who when you had the heads and <laughs> are, you wearing a ha- are they wearing a hat yeah, and you're <laughs> oh my gosh that is so funny but you're right yeah we we do live in such a, a mental um Space and uh, yeah, we need to em- embrace the combination of the mind, body, yeah. and ultimately with with everything, with everything that you do, like you just said, it's creating space, space in the mind, space in the body.
1: One hundred percent, and tapping into planes of existence that aren't just what's right in front of my face and what what is forward, you know, ancestors behind us, things that are back, the people who walk the path first. You know, um, the stuff that's going on around us, community, connection, nature, what's under our feet, the earth, the soil, you know, the sky above us, spirit. For me, this work is really about opening up to all of the dimensions, not just this that's here.
0: Lovely, the 360 movement, wow. And fourth
1: dimension too, but yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, all the dimensions. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right, now I must get into this, your book. Yes. Your book, your book, oh my goodness. Please tell us a little bit about this and your inspiration behind where it's come from, the birds.
1: Yeah. Do you know, this is the first time I've had a conversation out loud about it, Francesca. So okay. I will remember this moment forever for many reasons. <laughs> but thank you for asking, uh-huh. uh, and for being somebody that I that I felt I wanted to share it with as well. I, it really touches me. Um Yeah. So I have um, unbeknown to me, I had been writing a book for uh the last few years. I didn't didn't know that. Um The I, I was doing a lot of writing classes with a wonderful teacher of mine, Victoria Erickson, her work's beautiful. She's a poet and she does guided uh, practice where she offers prompts, very embodied work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we write to her prompts and um, I've been on a retreat with her and mm-hmm. um, a, yo- a wonderful yoga teacher and you know, getting into the body and writing through the body. Um, and these things kept coming out where I was thinking, well, they feel a little bit like they're connected, but I'm not sure. Is it, a, is it fiction? Is it like me in a past life? I don't know, but I'll just keep going. And then I was in a a family constellations program and, um, in short, woke woke up in the night. I mean, this story is wild when I tell it. I know it's not here in the context of our kind of existence, but out in the world. I know people are like, yeah, right. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, right. (laughs) True. Um, I I, um, basically woke up in the night and could hear a woman crying. And, like, it wasn't me and she wasn't there, but the energy of something was there. Mm -hmm. and I wrote a piece, Um, so I woke up and and just wrote, and I would write these pieces in like three, four minutes, that just completely, like, come through, Mm -hmm. and um, shared it then with the next day with the the group in in this Family Constellations um, group that I was in, and suddenly thought, these pieces are all connected, and what I realized over a process of time with various teachers, my astrologer, um, you know, various life situations that I was in, that it was all the same voice, and that it was a, uh, I was given a year in a dream, 1571, and that she is a woman from 1571, and and in language that we would understand in modern day, she was a witch, and was living at a time where, as we know, lots was going on, Um, the European witch trials reached their peak in the early 1600s, the east india company was born in 1600 and within 50 years or 20 years or something it was 80 percent of the world's trade was going through you know the east india company and that's here right here on the river where i live Mm -hmm. and somehow this person this woman i call her the muse Mm -hmm. was passing stories forth to me of the things that were happening then and what i've since learned is that um When the women, particularly, but the magic people, the alchemists, were forced to go inside and take human form because their life was at risk. They were being burned alive or um, persecuted. The magic, they gave the magic to the birds. This is what she tells me. They gave the magic to the birds Mm -hmm. and put the magic inside the birds so the birds could keep it safe. Mm -hmm. And that the birds are now landing and bringing the magic back and asking people like us to welcome it, and to bring forth this old wisdom in new ways. Okay. So that's what it is. I <laughs> get chills? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. And so it's kind of, I've heard people talk about channeling before, but it's not as, and I was like, yeah, okay, I know people that do that, and I know it's real, but I haven't had an experience. Yeah. It's not that per se, because she doesn't talk to me, but I feel her presence, and then I can write these pieces. So I know you've read a couple. Um and yeah there's stuff around like the questions that we 're really you know um, I guess exploring, struggling with passionate about in this current life how how do we get better equity, how do we share more, how do we be in more contact with the land? How do we honor the people that have gone before? How do we speak truth to power? How do we you know um, each have an equal right to a place? How do we relate to each other? How do we bring up our children? You know, all of these questions that are super modern questions. And yet we were asking them then. Mm. So somehow it's a baton pass. So I've been capturing them. I looked back and realized that I had already written like 95% of the pieces. So this summer has been me spending time collating them Uh uh, into a collection. um, And then I'm going to be publishing that as a a um, self-published book in October and doing some Magic sort of sharing man. circle. Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to launch it on, um, on on Sermaine, on Semaine, yeah, yeah. Um, Halloween for um, Ishram then as, as we sort of drop into the dark half of the year. Um, so yeah, it wasn't ever intentionally write a book. It Somehow things are coming through me. People seem, that I've shared it with, seem to find it useful. It, it stops us a little in our tracks, I think, and makes us go, okay, what do I need to look at in my world in service of something? something
0: bigger so yeah wow I cannot <laughs> wait and what I love is that you didn't even there was no force to that it was all flow it was all ease you didn't even know what was happening you just wrote what you felt in your body for your own sort of reference and yes. realized the pattern noticed the um synchronicities between the pieces and wow yeah. how amazing we get to share this wisdom and i love specifically what you said about how the birds are now landing and it is time for us all to wake up and i believe that your writing and through your words is going to really do that for so many. so thank you
1: francesca i, I really appreciate that, that. yeah it's a gift to the world it's just come through me really so i kind of need to own my part but when people say oh you've written a book i'm like well i was never been the person that wanted to write a book or was writing a book. It's just somehow a book, a collection of stories has been written and wants has been expressed and wants to be shared. And I think there's a lot of um, spoken word element to it as well, because we can get a little bit hung up on uh, what's on paper, I think, sometimes. And that's a bit risky, too.
0: Completely, completely. Thank you so much. Like I said, I can't wait for that to come out. And Laura, for all of uh, my listeners and all of the listeners today, where can people connect with you and how can people find you?
1: Yeah, thanks, Francesca. Um, So Instagram, laura.beckingham. If anybody is... um, boring enough to use linkedin <laughs> and i'm on there too although it's a bit it's a it's an enlivened platform these days there's a yep. lot of debate on there actually um my website which is um space with in.com and i have a couple of podcasts as well which um calm down wake up is probably a good place to start that's guided meditations and yoga nidra so if you need a good sleep, then that's a good place to meet me. I've, I've been told I have a voice for sending people to sleep. So I <laughs> take the compliment from that and nothing else.
0: <laughs> I think I think I would say it as in very soft that makes people listen and want to know more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll take it.
0: <laughs> wow thank you so much I'll put all of this information in the show notes anyway but it's been an absolute pleasure having you I've really really loved
1: this so much thank, thank you thank you so, much. you so much thanks Francesca appreciate uh, it
0: I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Laura I just feel that there is so much incredible silenced wisdom in between the words that we are speaking during this episode and it was such an honor for Laura to share her writings and uh, her channeled writings for her new book that's launching in October so be sure to look out for that it is called as the birds land and i'm put the details in the show notes of this podcast so from this episode It is so important that we embody stillness practices in our everyday to live more consciously. When we live more consciously, we become more compassionate of ourselves, others, and the world. And this is the way that we are. needing to move into more conscious living to form unity living as well. This uh, unity consciousness starts through conscious living. So find practices that work for you to embody stillness. You know, for me personally, it is tea just as it is for Laura. It is tea, it is meditation, For me, also, I love conscious dance because there, for me, is a stillness in the movement, um, a mental stillness in the movement as I allow my body to take over the mind, Um, what we were talking about in the episode of the mind-body deepening that connection and allowing them to work in unison Um, any practices that allow you to feel whole in any particular way so I encourage you from this episode to have a little look about uh, have a little look around stillness practices that could work for you and try a couple out to see what works for you what you resonate with and what you enjoy ultimately it's all about enjoyment And I will be back next week with another enlightening topic that in one way or another will awaken, heal or transform you. Sending you so much love. Bye for now.